Today, looking good today. Come on, looking good, man. I'm so excited about this series, Oxygen. We have had a great series up to now, and I really believe today. I, I just really am so excited about this whole series, but really excited about this message because today we're talking about freestyle prayer. Freestyle prayer, your prayer, your way. Come on, say that with me. Freestyle prayer, your prayer. Your way. Now let's make it personal. You ready? Freestyle prayer. My prayer. My way. Because I really believe today that we're going to see some truths from God's word that are really going to liberate us and help us not to just pray a prayer. A lot of people can pray a prayer. We don't want you just to pray a prayer. We want you to live a life of prayer. We want you to develop a prayer life. And just like the title says and suggests, we need oxygen physically to live. Without oxygen, we're not going to make it. And we believe, and and this is so strongly in our hearts, we believe just like in the natural, we need oxygen to survive. Spiritually, we need prayer to make it. Spiritually, that you need prayer to make it through the struggles, the trials, and just everything that you're facing. And we complicate prayer. I began to think about prayer again, and I just wrote down some thoughts. Prayer is just having a chat. Come on, it's just hanging out with God. It's just talking to Him. That's what prayer is. It's just a conversation with God, but we try to make it so religious. We try to make it so, just so much almost out of reach of our everyday lives, and we feel unworthy to pray almost like what we've fabricated in our minds, where we just need to chill and talk to God. And we just need to hang out with him. And if you've missed any of these messages, we really encourage you to play catch up. There's some CDs from the services maybe available in the back. You can go on the podcast. You can go on our <laughs> website and you can just follow along with what God is doing. And I know perhaps there's been a lot of lists and there's been a lot of things that we've given to you, but I don't want you to see them as lists. You need to see them as instructions. I want to ask you a question today. How many of you would feel comfortable getting on a plane and having someone pilot the plane who had no instruction, training, or education. Come on, let me see your hands. Of course we wouldn't. We wouldn't even consider something like that. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. And my life is going to be affected because they don't know what they are doing. So what's important? The instruction and the, chain and, and the training are vital so it can produce the right experience. Come on, the instructions and training that we give you. Come on, this is classroom theory that we're having today. But guess what? So we can go out and experience life. 
so we can put it into action and see the instruction work and to see the truth of God's Word work in our lives. So it's freestyle prayer. Here's our scripture for the day. It comes from Luke chapter 11. And verse 1, and it's a beautiful, I believe, illustration of where we need to find our lives too, and perhaps where we do find our lives today. As the disciples, it says, Now it came to pass as he, Jesus, capitalized. He was praying in a certain place. And when he had ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, or teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. When he was praying, a disciple came and said, Lord, teach me, teach us how to pray. Jesus, in the next three verses, I believe it is, goes on and instructs them, and he gives them the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know that. He gives that out to them, but he doesn't give it to them as a religious prayer. He gives it as an outline and as a guide for them to Follow Now, there's nothing wrong with praying that prayer. I've prayed that prayer. In fact, at school, growing up in England, every day we had to stand up and we said the Lord's Prayer. We opened up with hymns and we said Lord's Prayer and we had a devotion. Even in secular schools, that's what we did when I was growing up. And many times I've said that and heard people say it. But you know what? I believe that God's prayer life He has for you is more than just a rehearsed prayer. It's more than just something that we can almost say and not even think about anymore. Why? Because we know what's coming without even almost engaging our brains. And I believe God has a prayer life for each one of us. Has any of you ever suffered from what I call prayer envy? If you want to take it one step further, has anyone been a prayerful luster? What I mean by that is this. Let me clarify that. That you hear someone pray and you are like envious of how they pray. Come on, you're like, oh my God, what kind of prayers do I pray? They are so eloquent in the words that they are using. I mean, it almost sounds heavenly. Come on now, have you ever heard someone like that? You know, how they just, they flow from one thought to the next and it's just like so smooth and it's just like so awesome. And then they can pray a long time, you know, like we're kind of struggling after a couple of seconds to think what's next and just one thing after another, they're going and going and going. And then how they look. Have you ever seen that look on someone when they pray? It's almost like heaven opens up and there's a spotlight on them and they're just like this angelic being and you're like, oh, wow. They are so spiritual. Man, God, here's their prayer. And then to see them being moved. Have you ever watched someone moved as they pray? And tears begin to roll down their face. And it's just like, wow, they're just in a room with God. And they've got the ear of God. And you're looking at all that. I mean, are you getting the picture? Basically, I'm explaining someone who prays better than us. Come on, he prays better than you. But then I thought about that and I asked a question. Do they pray better than me? Or is it just their way to pray? I believe their prayer is no better than yours. I believe that's just the way that they pray. But that doesn't make your way wrong. So, Pastor, do I open my eyes or close my eyes when I pray? 
do I, do I hit my knees? You have Judah now, our 22-month-old, every time we pray now, even if he's got something in his hands, he, he does this. It's really cute to see that. Do I have to put my hands together to pray? I think one of the best reasons we put our hands together when we pray is that we're not distracted doing everything else. Come on now. We're just yielding our hands and putting them together and saying, I think that's why it's good when we do close our eyes to pray because we can shut out everything. But opened eyes, closed eyes, hands together on our knees, standing, walking, laying flat on your face, back, doing whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you shout out your prayers. I just want you to know God's not deaf. Sometimes I think when we really want the attention of God, we really shout really loud. God's not deaf. It's not the intensity or the level of our prayer. It's just the importance of praying. it. So do I pray loud? Do I pray kind of soft? Because when I pray soft, it sounds more angelic and kind of spiritual and real. Do I look up when I pray? Or do I look down when I pray? And if we don't watch, we can get so caught up with the unimportant things that we literally convince ourselves that we are just ridiculously bad at praying. Because we don't have all the elements or the ingredients of what makes prayer successful. And I think you've got to really be careful with that because I don't believe that your prayer is wrong. I believe it's your prayer, your way. Let me show you from the scripture what I mean. Here's a thought from God's Word. Luke chapter 18, a few verses or chapters on. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. It's a parable that Jesus gives. And he says, And he spoke to them in a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. In other words, Jesus was addressing people that thought they had it all together. That they thought they've got everything in line. He's addressing this story, this thought to them. And he says in verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. What that means is this, two people further removed than you can even imagine. From one side to the very other end of the spectrum. A Pharisee, the religious leader, the person that everyone was like wowed by. Wow, so super spiritual. To someone, the tax collector, that no one wanted to be around. The sinner of all sinners. We see the extreme in what Jesus is saying, which is very important. And then we see the Pharisee, the religious so-called one, he stands up and he prays thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. Or even like that tax collector, that sinner, he's pointing the finger, he's isolating. He goes on to say, I fast twice a week and I give all that I possess to you. Come on, I give tithes of everything that I have to you. Can you see the prayer? Can you hear the prayer that he's praying? And it goes on and Jesus says, and the tax collector, the sinner, standing afar off. Why was he standing afar off? Because he didn't even feel worthy to come in really to the temple. He was just in the door, but he wasn't really, because he felt his life was so unworthy. And what do we see of him? Come on, he was just in the door. And what was he doing? He wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven. His head was bent down. And all he could do was to beat his breast and say, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. The Bible goes on to say the words of Jesus. He says, I tell you that this man, which man? The sinner 
went down to his house justified rather than the other, the religious leader. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. As I read that, I asked myself this question. What prayer did God hear? The reality is this. God heard both prayers. God hears all things. But the truth really is this. What prayer did he respond to? What prayer did he make response to? Now, I'm not saying that long prayers are, not, uh, that long prayers are wrong. But we see the motive of this guy's prayer was completely wrong because it was all about himself and how great he was. But really, I'm using this illustration for this. What was the man's prayer? He didn't even feel worthy to be there. He couldn't even look to heaven. He beat his chest and basically all the words he could get out was, God, help me. I'm a failure. I'm a mistake. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy. Would you help me? Jesus heard that prayer. Jesus heard that prayer. Jesus hears your prayer, your way. He just wants you to be real when you pray. I heard a story this week of a grandfather. He was watching his granddaughter and he watched her in the yard playing. And then at one point he watched and observed that his granddaughter got down on her knees and he kind of thought it was strange. And he went outside to see what she was doing. And when he approached her, he could hear her saying with her little head bowed on her knees and her eyes closed saying, A, B, C, D, E. And he stopped her and he said, sweetheart, what are you doing? And she turned to her grandfather and she said, I'm praying. She says, I don't really know what to say. So I thought if I give him all the letters, he would know what to do with them. Maybe you need to hit your knees and start going A, B, C. Because I'm telling you, God hears that prayer. Come on, I said God hears that prayer. Come on, God hears that prayer because He wants to hear your prayer. He wants to hear it your way. I've been open with you during this series and always am. We're transparent here because we've got nothing to hide. And and I'm telling you, I struggle when it comes to prayer. That's probably one of the biggest struggles that I have. I didn't say I don't pray, but it's a struggle to pray. I'm not one of those people that's getting excited if someone says we're going to pray for three hours. I'm I'm, I'm just being real with you. I'm like, man, what do I have to do? Can I find something else? Can I do... Looking at me all holy. Come on now. If you don't have a problem with it, we'll just change the time of the prayer meeting every Saturday from 9 till 12 because you're all going to be there. I'll just come for an hour, but I'll leave all you holy people to pray for me for the next two hours. Come on, don't look at me like that. You know if I called a three-hour prayer meeting, none of you would show up. You struggle. We struggle with prayer. Man, I get bored sometimes when I sit down and pray. If I don't, because my mind gets so active and engaged. And if I'm just sitting there, I can get tired. Have you ever fallen asleep praying? Come on, and you act all spiritual when you kind of wake up. Amen, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, don't get me. I know where you're at. I'm going to be watching you Saturday. I'm going to be watching you. 
But you know, I, I, I've fallen asleep praying. I, I get distracted when I pray. It's amazing. If you want to remember what you need to do, start to pray, and it all comes flooding back in. Come on. Um, you know, you forgot everything, then you start praying, and then everything comes back in. You know, I, I sit down with my phone or something, have that, take the notes. I just jot down, okay, I need to do this, do this, and then I get back to praying. And then, like when I walked the neighborhood this morning even, I, I had my phone out four times jotting things down. Why? Because if I say to myself, I'm going to remember them, I try to hold that thought, and then it distracts me from where I need to be. So, so I, I've got this struggle in prayer, and I'm asking God each and every day, God, teach me how to pray and to help me. And what I've found is I pray best when I walk. I, I like to walk and pray. So in the mornings, I like to walk. I walk about two miles a day, and I like to pray while I'm walking in the day. And I, I know my neighbors probably think I'm crazy because they're out walking and jogging, and I'm just like this and shouting and talking to myself and going crazy. They're like, stay away from that guy. He talks to himself. I mean, he, he, he's got something wrong. Come on, the lights are on, and no one home. But I like to do that. I like to do stuff and pray. Kelly laughs at me. One of the times I get the most revelation is cutting the grass. I like to do things and I, I, I like to focus and I, I like to pray. Come on, I like to drive and pray. I, I just want you to know that when I do drive and pray, I don't close my eyes. Now, my wife tells me different. She swears that I do close my eyes when I drive. And I don't know how I make it when she's not in the car with me. I just want to say that because uh, I'm such a bad driver and I would have 20 wrecks if she wasn't in the car with me. She, she increases my prayer life. Come on now. And she helps me. So she thinks I close my eyes when I drive, but I don't. But, you know, I just, you look at these times, I ponder and pray. Come on, I, I pray throughout the day. It's not just in the morning, just throughout the day, I'll find myself and I'll just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. And it's not because I'm spiritual. I've just found my way to pray. And I just want to thank God. You know, um, what was it? Someone said, you know, that, that, that I don't pray. They said these words, and I thought it was so cool. They said, I don't pray longer than 30 minutes a day, but there's seldom 30 minutes that goes by that I do not pray. Think about that. So it's not that I'm praying in long increments, but throughout the day, there's not a length of period of time that's going by in my life, and I'm not praying and giving things to God. And back to the original text, the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? The way they came to him, I believe, is wrong because they were looking for a religious ritual. I think they were looking because they said, would you teach us how John taught his disciples? John probably taught his disciples when you pray, pray for this, 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 this. We don't know that, but I believe that's the implication that we see. They were looking for almost a shopping list that every time they prayed, they would be able to follow. But they weren't expecting or what they received, I think, wasn't what they expected. Because yes, Jesus gave them a guide, but what we'll see is this, Jesus gave them more than a guide. He released them, I believe, into a new realm of prayer that they would never be the same as a result of. You see, what they asked for and what he gave them, I believe, were two very different things. Aren't you glad that sometimes God doesn't give you what you ask for, but he gives you what you need? Come on, and I I leave my heart completely open to God because I end every prayer, not my will, but yours. God, your will be done. I'm making it clear, God. I've prayed what I think, but if it's off base, I want what you want for my life, and I'm just surrendering that. So we see the disciples, they asked for something. Their motive was pure. They wanted to pray. They wanted to have a prayer for them to pray, but Jesus wanted to give them more than a prayer. He wanted to give them an experience of prayer, a life of prayer. 
And they said, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me how to pray. And we see that Jesus did indeed teach them. And he taught them an example that they could follow in their lives and their lives would never be the same again. You see, you've got to understand this today and embrace this today. God has made you unique. You're an individual. You are individually perfect in God's eyes. Therefore, none of us will perfectly interact with Him through prayer exactly the same way. And that's cool. That's good. He wants that. Why? Because if not, He's just like, oh, that just sounds like everyone else. God likes the fact that we talk to Him in different ways. Why? Because He likes the variety of what He hears. He likes that. It doesn't get boring and religious and mundane to Him. God likes for you to be you. And speak to Him in your prayer, in your way. Because it makes it meaningful. It makes it purposeful. And here's the disciples that have lived with Him for a number of years now. They've seen all the miracles. They've seen all the mighty things. And in fact, I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, please correct me. But I believe that the disciples really only ever asked Jesus for two things. One was teach us how to pray. And the other was increase our faith. But how important is the fact that they said, teach us how to pray. They could have asked Jesus for anything. Make us millionaires. Make us popular so everyone will like us. But they asked for the greatest strength. Listen to me. They asked for the greatest strength that they saw in his life. And what was that strength? They realized his strength came from his fellowship his communion, his prayer, his connection that he had with the Father. Because Jesus would pray. They asked for what they knew was the most powerful and important experience that Jesus had with his Father. And it was his prayer. They saw it work. Because when he prayed, things happened. He didn't always pray the same way. He didn't always do the same things. It wasn't how he stood and how he held his mouth. and what he, It wasn't all of that. It was the fact that his connection between God and him was where it needed. To, his prayer life was where it needed to be. And thus the results of what God wanted to do through him became evident in our lives. They saw the greatest strength. Can you see the strength that there is and the ability that we have to be able to pray. They're obviously watching him because he's in a certain place praying. Someone's watching him. They're waiting for him to finish and they're like, man, I want to pray like you. Come on. I want what you want. Come on. I know that they were asking, give us the method, but really they didn't know how to ask for what they really needed because it wasn't the method they wanted. They wanted the results that accompanied the prayers that he prayed. And that's what I want for my life and your life, that we will see results that when we pray, come on, the Bible says that when we humble ourselves and pray, guess what? God moves and he heals this land. He touches our family. He changes our circumstances and our situations. Come on, if we'll humble our lives, and pray. And we've got to pray. And we've got to have our prayer life. And let us pray our way and our prayer. And that's why I believe that we need to ask God to teach us. Teach me my freestyle prayer life. Look at this statement. You've got to realize this. Prayer is the simplest and most effective way that you can deal with any situation. 
It's the simplest and the most effective way that you can deal with any situation. It's one of the easiest things that you can do. You don't have to prepare to pray. You can just pray. You don't have to book an appointment and wait two months to see the doctor and to see. You can just pray right now. Come on. You can be in your car and pray. You can be in an office meeting and your boss talking to you and you can be praying. Come on right now. You can just pray when things come into your mind. You can pray. It's the simplest thing that we can do, but it's still the most powerful thing that we can do because it has the greatest return and results. Anytime, anywhere, anyhow, we can pray and we can pray a prayer that moves God and reaches to the very throne of heaven. And this is so liberating. And I pray it's liberating for you. This was so liberating for me when I saw this and I realized, God, you want to teach me how to pray. Come on, say that. Teach me how to pray. Come on, teach me my prayer language. And it was so liberating for me because, you know, I I thought, as I said earlier, that my prayers weren't as effective as other people's because I didn't pray as good as other people. I didn't pray as long. I didn't have all the words. I didn't have the light from heaven. I didn't have the tears all the time. I didn't have all those things that I thought was needed to move heaven. But then I understood that God wants to teach me to pray my way. And my way can just be as powerful of an experience of those who are praying for hours and hours, who are intercessors. And I love intercessors. I thank God that God's given us intercessors in this house. Those that really pray and that can really seek God. And that's a gift and a calling on their lives. And remember our original scripture that we used One of my favorite ones on prayer comes from Psalms 145, verse 18. And I love this. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him. To all who pray. But then look at it. To all who call upon Him in truth. In truth. Let me replace that word instead of truth by saying by being themselves. I believe God hears us when we're ourselves. That we're not trying to be religious and follow the pattern of somewhere else. But in my own unique honest, truthful way, God hears my prayer. And I think that's totally liberating. I could be wrong, but I think that's liberating for you today. Because you're probably saying, well, how do I pray? What do I do? Lord, teach me how to pray. Let God instruct you and teach you. And what we've heard on Wednesday nights is He'll speak of yours. Just stop and listen. And He will instruct you and He will help you. Because your prayer is not wrong. Your motive may be wrong. But as we pray, God handles that too. And God changes our hearts. And there can be different prayers in different seasons. I don't want to harp on this, but how many knows a mother of four has a different prayer life than a single person with little or no responsibilities? Come on, a mother of four can feel guilt of the fact that she can't just sit down and pray for two hours anymore. She doesn't have the time to do that because when she puts the baby to sleep, then that's when she can start doing all the jobs and the works that she needs to catch up on. Come on. When you're a mother of four or you're a mother and you've got children right now, come on, you've got you to gotta learn to pray when you're putting that child to sleep. Come on. You've got to learn to pray when you're cleaning the bottles. You've got to learn to pray when you're doing the laundry and folding the clothes. You've you just got to adapt. You've got to pray a different prayer. But I want you to hear something. That mother in that situation of 
of her life is praying just as much an effective prayer life as if she was on her face for two hours a day. Why? Because God honors the fact that she is fulfilling her God-given responsibility to be the mother taking care of that which he has entrusted into her hands. And then with what she has on top of that, she's given as much as she can to God. And I'm telling you, God hears that prayer. And God responds to that prayer. So mother... Those of you in seasons of your life and you can't do that, don't beat yourself up and say, God doesn't hear my prayer. He hears someone beating their chest and saying, God, I'm a sinner. We just need to pray. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, we just need to pray. Just pray your prayer your way. But I want to clarify something because unfortunately when you preach messages and you say stuff like that, all some people see in that is a loophole and they start seeing, oh, okay, so God understands I'm busy, so he would understand if I don't pray. No, I didn't say that. I'm not saying that we're making excuses for why we don't pray because praying your way, your prayer is not for you to find the easiest route of prayer. Come on, it's not just to fit into your schedule. There are times when we just kind of have to step out of our schedule a little bit and make time for God and discipline our lives and give Him that time. Okay? So what we're talking about is not having an easy route, but discovering the most effective way that you and I can pray. It's not an excuse not to pray, but teaching us how to pray in the seasons, in the life, in our way, in our lives And what God wants to do. So I want to give you three helpful tips today, okay? Three helpful tips that I really believe that will help you to pray freestyle prayer. Your prayer, your way, and giving it to God. Are you ready? Point number one. Come on, you've got to make sure that your prayer is personal. Come on, make it personal. Have a personal prayer life with God. Make it real to you is what I'm saying. Because if it's not real, it's not you. And if it's not you, it's not going to last. If you turn around and say, I'm going to pray for two hours a day, if that's not what God's called you to do, you're going to do that for one day. And then the next day, you're going to say, God, can I take a rain check? I'll be back the next day. And you'll never come back. And then what you'll end up doing is not praying, period, because you let God down for two hours, and that's what he expects of you, so anything else he won't accept. You see how we can confuse it? You've got to make it real to you. It's got to be real to you, because when it's real, it can be sustainable. It can be. I I think a real prayer can be every day. How many people drive at least fifteen to twenty minutes a day in your car? What a great prayer chapel your car can be! Come on, what a great prayer chapel! Turn off talk radio. Turn off all those things. Turn off and tune into God. What a great opportunity! Don't tell me you don't have time to pray because you can make time right there. You can redeem the time that you have, and we can make it real to our lives because I think. We've got to realize something, that everything about our spiritual life depends on our personal faith relationship with Him. Come on, everything about our life depends spiritually upon our relationship with Him. And it also affects other things than just the spiritual. Come on, when we're in tune with God, come on, we treat our wives, husbands, kids, we're better workers. Come on, it affects our lives too. But spiritually speaking... Our spiritual life depends upon our relationship with God. Look what it says in Ephesians 3 verse 12. It says in this, In whom we have boldness, in Him we have boldness, and access with confidence through faith in Him. What produces the confidence and the access? Our faith with Him. Our walk with Him. Our life with Him. One translation says it this way, We have free access through God. 
Come on, we have an access to the throne of God. And that literally means this, we have an unreserved approach to God with freedom and without fear. Don't you love that picture? That boldly, unreservedly, we can come before God with freedom and without fear. And what is the thought of all of that is the personal touch of that. That that relationship with Him is what releases that and produces that to my life. So therefore, my relationship with God is the open door to an unlimited help from Him. That's why it's so important that we make it real with God. Because our prayer life can build our relationship with God. And we need to be in a real relationship with God because having that kind of relationship with God opens up things for our life. God will teach us how to pray. That's one of the things He'll do in relationship. He'll teach us how to pray. That's great. So my personal heartfelt prayers is you and I, it's me, it's us finding our group that will help maximize our relationship with God. Come on, our prayer life will take us closer to God each and every day. It reminds us who's in control, but it takes us closer to the one who is. And that's why it's got to be personal, because if not, there's no interaction, there's no fellowship, there's no communion. It's just a words. It's not a heartfelt. It's not a relationship. So if you're going to pray your prayer your way, make it real. Come on, make it personal. Make it you. Make it you. I think so many of us in our prayer life, we have lost the personal touch. We've lost the personal touch. Second thing is this. Really helps us and liberates us, I believe, is this. Understand you're unique. Understand you're a one of a kind. Come on, I said, understand that you are you and there'll be never a better you than you. So just be the best you that you can be, please. So understand that you being you is not a bad thing, but it's a good thing. Are you with me? Because it's a God thing. It's a God thing. It's a good thing. Now, if you're weird and crazy, that's on you, okay? I just want you to know that. If that's where you're at, that's on you. That's not a God thing. That's a you thing. But God made you unique. And understanding and embracing your uniqueness, I think, is very important because it helps me to realize and be okay with the fact that I am me. Look at this statement. To try and be something or someone God never created you to be means that you are living a lie. Think about that. To try to be someone or something that God never created you to be means that you are living a lie. A lie. A lie. Uniqueness means praying to God with our strengths and weaknesses. God takes it all. Look what it says in Psalms 33 verse 15. It says, He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. He understands all their works. What do we see? God looks at us individually and He understands everything about us. Why? Because He made us that way. Be yourself and quit making excuses. You know the only reason you have to make an excuse is is because you haven't done what you know you're supposed to do. Have you ever had to make an excuse for doing your work? No. You have to make an excuse, though, for not doing your work. Dog ate my homework. If you'd have done the homework, the dog would have never had a chance to eat that homework, wink, wink, that you never even did. Because if the dog's eating your homework now, he's walking around probably with an iPad. Come on, because most of your homework's on computers and iPads. So he's a smart dog. Come on. Some of you got that. Some of you didn't. It was bad anyway, so don't worry about it. 
Now, being unique doesn't mean that we cannot learn from other people. Because we've still got to maintain a teachable spirit. But in my prayer life, because I've discovered this, I, I, I observe a lot of people. Kelly laughs at me. My mind never shuts off. Everywhere I go, I observe people. I observe how they interact, how they do things and stuff. It's not because I'm trying to find ways to do. But I think you can learn a lot from other people. Some of the things you can learn is what not to do. It's good to learn from someone else so you don't have to do that. But I think that you can definitely learn a lot from people. You can learn motivation from people to see the motivation that they have to pray, the discipline that they have, the devotion that they have. There's so many things that we can learn to pray. But I'm not focusing or forcing their way onto my life because then it's not personal and it's not unique to me. But I'm saying, Lord, I like that. Teach me how to pray. Let that motivate me, God, to have a greater prayer life in my life. And last but not least, is this okay today? Number three, understand he's your friend. Wow, that's powerful. Wow, that's powerful. Because this really can change the whole dynamics of our prayer when we realize we can come to him as a friend. When I can come to him as my friend. Yes, he is God, but he longs to be your friend. He desires to be your friend. You see, when you fail to see God as your friend, you're not going to feel comfortable coming to him and telling him everything about your life. And the funny thing is, we keep it from God, a God who already knows everything about our lives anyway. He already knows it all. But when he's not our friend, we think of him as an enemy, a bad God. We're not going to come to him and give him those things because we think and convince ourselves he doesn't care anyway. Come on, my prayer, my way has to understand the fact that he's my friend that he wants to be a friend and therefore he wants to hear. Because if I'm not coming to him as a friend, my prayer becomes religious, it becomes legalistic and it's no longer personal. And it loses everything that our prayer life is supposed to be. And what is that? Fresh, exciting, passionate and intimate that we can connect with God. I know we're almost out of time, but let me take you quickly on a friend journey, a journey of friendship today. A best friend is what? A best friend is someone that you can, what? Trust. Can tell them anything. And you can receive anything back from them. Even if it hurts, the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Because I want people around me who are going to tell me the truth, not what I think I need to hear, but what I need to hear. Thus saith the Lord, I need people to speak into my life. Okay, And that's the type of relationship freestyle prayer wants to produce in our life. A trust, a connection, a relationship like that with God. That it wants to help to build and develop that kind of friendship. A friendship that takes time. Come on, it takes time to have a best friend. It takes energy. Come on, it takes trust. All things that we've mentioned. There's other things, but those three things are pretty key to friendship. Come on, time, effort and trust. And here's the truth that I've discovered, and that is this. You can be as close to God as you want to be. You can be as close to God. I can be as close to God as I want to be. It just depends on the time and the energy that I'm willing to invest into that relationship. The Bible says something about Abraham that I was just talking to Kelly about this morning. And I said, my God, I I would love to be known by God as Abraham was. One of the greatest compliments that could ever be given was a compliment that was given to Abraham. Look what it says, Isaiah 41, verse 8. It says, But you, Israel, are my servant, 
Jacob whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, what? My friend. Wow. 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 In the New Testament, it says it again. Come on, just in case we missed it in the old. James 2.23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Wow. Wow. I want to be a friend of God. Come on, I want to be called a friend of God. And as his friend, what does God do? I'm telling you what God does. God tells him stuff. As a friend, you tell each other stuff. You don't hold back. You tell each other stuff. For an example, God's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He sends his angels. They come across Abraham. They, they're having lunch with him and stuff. And Abraham's like, what's up, God? I mean, what are you doing? What are you here for? And God was going to hide from him. But look what it says in Genesis 18, verse 17, that the Lord God, think about this, the creator of heaven and the earth, the one who holds our future, future in our hands, the God Almighty says, shall I hide from my friends what I am doing? Wow, that's the relationship, your prayer, your way that you can have with God, that God doesn't want to hide things that he's doing from your life. He doesn't want to hide the things he wants to do in your life. But if you would come to him as friend, he could say, come over here. Let me tell you some things that I need to do with your life. And it's not just what I want to do with your life. God says, come on, let me tell you some things and some pitfalls that you need to avoid in your life. You see, God can help steer your life around so many obstacles and holes and failures that the enemy has laid out for you. And what is the key? Being a friend with God because friends don't keep secrets. Come on, friends don't keep secrets. Proverbs 3 verse 6, because friends discuss stuff. Proverbs 3 6 says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will what? That's the friendship that I have. That word there, acknowledge, means to care about someone else's things. Come on. If I start caring, not just about me, but other people, and start trusting God and placing my life in the right place and understanding that I can pray. I don't have to pray like them. I just pray like me, like God wants to show me. As I acknowledge God in my prayer life, what has He promised to do? As a friend, He's going to direct my life going to lead your life and he's going to guide you. I've got to close. As a friend, God desires to give you insight into what's happening in your life. And he wants to tell you what to do about it. As a friend, you don't have to be caught off guard. Come on. As a friend, I need to tell you something. That's what God wants to do in your life. So how can I have that friendship? Don't you want to know? How can I have that friendship? I want to show you how you have that friendship. John 15, 15. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But God says, I have called you friend. Come on, you said, I wish I was like Abraham. You are like Abraham because God says, I have called you friend. Come on, I have called you friend. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Oh my God, come on, you are a friend of God. God is your friend. He wants to speak to your life. Come on, it's freestyle prayer, your prayer, your way. But I want to say this, the degree of your friendship is not based on him. It's based on you. He calls you friend. You can call him friend, but friendship is more than just a title. It's a relationship. It's an intimacy. 
It's a closeness. It's a loyalty. It's an openness. It's a truthfulness. It's personal. Come on. It's unique. It's real. Come on. God wants to liberate us, I believe, in our prayer lives. That we would realize it's not about a rehearsed prayer. It's just anywhere, anyhow. God, teach me how to pray. That I can be your man and woman. That I can be your friend. Would you stand to your feet with us today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.